0: Oh, it has been so good to worship with you tonight. I just feel overcome. And and that's, I think, it's extra sweet since there's some heavy things going on in this community. So uh, God is so good, isn't He? He is so good. So, have you ever wondered why we have so much singing uh, in our services? So much singing uh, in the church? You know, any church you go to around the world, you're going to find different forms, but people are going to sing. God's people sing. I didn't understand it as a, as a kid, honestly. I, I grew up in a lot of different churches, and um, I saw everything you could think of. I mean, so there were there were some people in our church that could not sing, but they would sing at the top of their lungs. And me and my brothers, we made sure to get seats behind them because we would have a good time like cracking up with their singing. I know it's terrible. My mom would do it sometimes too. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. But uh, we... I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I would see people literally run the aisles at times. No joke. I was talking to the brothers about this this morning. Some of the pastors would be preaching, and they'd just take off, just start running. And, and the kids, you know, as a kid, I was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> like, uh, I saw people laid out on, the, on their face before God, weeping. I saw people jumping, praising, dancing. You know, I've seen a lot of different things, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it until my teenage years, when I came to know how sinful I was before God and how much grace had been dumped on me. Then I understood it. Then it was like you couldn't get it, keep it from, from coming up out of my heart. Like it was a geyser, like just ready to explode. Christians sing because they've experienced grace. They've experienced incredible love from God, undeserving love. And, uh, I mean, th- this is, I- I've felt before like I was just going to lift it up off, off the ground. Like, like we, were, we were headed for the rapture or something. Like, man, I, I have been like so overcome in, in praise. And uh, whether you can relate with this or not, whether you've felt what I'm talking about, the world can, anybody. Here's what I mean. You go to the Grand Canyon. You go to a wedding, you see a bride, beautiful bride coming down the aisle. What do we do? We talk about it. Like we praise the things that are beautiful. The whole world does this. When we see things that we love, we cannot help but respond with wow. We cannot help but respond with with praise of those things. Now the Bible talks about something that happens even even inside of our souls where it's not our physical eyes that see but our hearts. Remember Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. He said, "I pray that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened that you might know the riches of his grace." All these different things that he he says when the, the Bible talks about when our hearts see, when our souls understand, when the eyes of our hearts see, we cannot help but overflow in praise to God. When we see God rightly, church, We will praise Him greatly. It is the response of Christians, when we see God rightly, when we see ourselves rightly, the response is praise. We cannot help it. So let me ask you today, does the gospel, does this gospel that we've been singing about today, does it cause you to praise God? Does it it change you? Does it just grip you, make you want to sing or shout or fall on your face? What is what is the reaction that you get when you hear this gospel? That you have when you hear this gospel? You know, I think for some of us, we, we we have a lot more joy explode out of our hearts when we're in a Vikings game or or we're sitting, you know, playing a video game, our favorite video game. It's like we rush there, like oh man, it's finally. What is it called? You we're dropping tonight? Is that what <laughs> Fortnite? I I've never played, but I hear it's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, like. What, what is it? You name it. What is the thing you get more joy over? If that is a thing for you, if that's you tonight, if you feel like, man, I don't know if my heart is overflowing with, with joy at the gospel. Maybe your view of God is too small. Maybe God needs to open the eyes of your heart so you can see afresh how great he is and how much he's done for us. How do we get from that place of stagnation to joyful praise? How do we get there? That's kind of what we're going to get at tonight in Mary's song. And today's text is going to give us some clues there. So um, let me give you a little context. We're in the book of Luke, which I'm just so thrilled. This is one of my favorite gospels. And uh, in the previous weeks, I think we were like four weeks in, the previous weeks we've seen Gabriel, this angel, announce a couple incredible births. He prophesied, John the Baptist is going to come. He's going to forerun Christ. He's going to be pointer to Christ. And then Jesus, the Messiah, is going to be born through Mary. So these, these two women hear these things. It's very, they're, they're unusual characters that God is coming to, but he's, he is, uh, he's going to exalt them through this. Then these two figures meet. And I said last, a couple weeks ago that it was Mary and Martha. It's not Mary and Martha. It's Mary and Elizabeth. I, I messed up my words there. But Mary comes with haste, we learned last week. She runs to meet Elizabeth. And when they get there, when, when Mary gets there, she, she greets Elizabeth. And we're told that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. He leapt with joy. He had crazy emotion when Jesus came near. And this was like maybe a couple days baby, you know, conceived in Mary's womb. And Elizabeth even calls her the mother of my Lord. Calls this baby my Lord. Mary would have been totally, you know, as a teenage girl, just overcome with wonder, probably some fear. She's just said, let it be to me as you will. I'm your servant. But she's, she's got to be wondering what is going on. She goes with haste there to her cousin Elizabeth. And as her cousin Elizabeth is pronouncing blessings over Mary... Mary's heart, it seems, begins to see, oh my goodness, what has God done for me? She begins to see, and out of her heart comes this amazing song that's been recorded and marveled at by the church for, throughout the church history. We're going to look at this song that Luke records Look Look together with me. It's not going to be up the screen tonight. I'd really love for you to have your your paper Bibles open. so look, at, look with me at verse 46. verse 46 of chapter one it says, "And Mary said, "My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior." My wife told me I should have like made a song this week for this. I wish I wish I had one ready for you, but I'm sure it wouldn't have been good enough to, to capture this. So Mary's praise sounds like the Psalms, doesn't it? Psalm 69 reads, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This word magnifies in the original language is, is it means to make great. To make great. What Mary is doing is she is praising God with with her mouth. She's saying, God, you are great. She's magnifying his name. I really love the way John Piper talks about magnifying God. I want to read something that he, he writes. He says, there are two kinds of magnifying, microscope magnifying and telescope magnifying. The one makes a small thing look bigger than it is. The other makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. When David... Or Mary, I would add, says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. They're not saying, I will make a small God look bigger than he is. They're saying, I will make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. We're not called to be microscopes, church. We are called to be telescopes. God is great, and Mary is beginning to see it. I think that Mary is, her praise here is telescope praise she's magnifying God like seeing his glory and beginning to praise his glory how great is our God see it with me how great is he she's seeing the enormous grace that's been poured out on her a lowly teenage girl and it causes her to talk about God's true greatness see she knows that she's a sinner in need of a savior she says I rejoice my spirit rejoices in God my savior she knows she needs a Savior. But she sees also, so she's, she sees her sinful self, but she also sees an incredible God. She sees an incredible God who comes to bring her and all the world salvation through this little child that's been put in her womb. She can't help but sing when she sees the God that is showing up to lowly Mary. She's overcome. Mary's most likely drawing from a famous song in, in the Old Testament from another woman who, who had God intervene in her life, a barren woman by the name of Hannah. And Hannah also praised God when, when she saw how, how He had come down to a lowly woman like her. Let's just listen to the opening lines of Hannah's song My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord; for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. I wish I could spend some time just comparing the two songs. They're so similar, but they're, they're really it, it's really quite amazing that this teenage girl is out of her heart is is coming scripture. You know, she she has understanding of this scripture and and. It seems that she is in this moment of praise, what comes from her is, is God's word. Is that how you praise teenagers? Is that how you praise? Church, is that does scripture come out of your heart when you when you're overcome with, with God's grace? do you do you praise him with the psalms? Sometimes it's not easy to praise and we, we've got to Look back at all the, the stories that God has recorded for us to remember his grace to other people. This is why we're, we're, we're calling you to get in the word. Know this book. Internalize it. Memorize it. Let it be in you. So that in the moment that you're, you're questioning God's goodness, it's, it's what comes out of you. In the moment where you, where he's showing his goodness to you, it's still scripture is coming out of you everywhere every which way you go, whether it's joy or sorrow. Praise like Mary's, like Hannah's, comes from spiritual sight. It's birthed out of a meditation on God's present work, his past work, and even his future work, looking forward to what he will do. This, this spiritual sight, is, this, this is what Mary talks about when she says, my soul My soul magnifies. She's seen. Her spirit magnifies. She's seen God. Mary's beginning to understand as she hears the blessings that Elizabeth is is bringing to her. She's beginning to, to understand all that God has done and would do for her. And when she came to understand, she couldn't stay silent. Mary could have in that moment just stopped and sat down and just meditated. Aren't you glad that she didn't just just shut her mouth? <laughs> Instead, we have this amazing example of, of how to write songs, <laughs> like how to praise. She didn't keep meditating, she spoke, she sang, she couldn't help but praise God. When people see God and self rightly, they praise. It comes out of us. And hear me on this, she praised God for specific things. We did that tonight. We praised God for specific ways that he had been good to us. In the next couple parts, I want to I look at this, this song and see how the, the things that God is praising, I'm sorry, that Mary is praising God for. One, she's praising God for pers- his personal care for her. And number two, he's, she's praising God for His care for her people, for Israel. Let's see it. Look at verse 48 with me. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. The start of 48 and 49, you see this word for. For he has looked on the humble When you see this word for, basically it's answering the question, why? It's it's telling you to look back to what came before. For is saying why. Because I'm praising you because you've looked on me. You've looked on the humble estate of your servant. So reason number one for Mary's praise is God sees Mary God sees Mary he sees her he has looked on the humble estate of Mary he knew this poor virgin teenager and he gave her one of the greatest gifts if not the greatest gifts that man could have and that is to to bear and mother the son of God yeah it was God's mom (laughs) that's crazy Number two, God exalts Mary. How? The text says that as a result of this this child in her womb, she would be called blessed for all generations. As we are today, saying, wow, this, this woman is blessed. She says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty... The creator God who spoke all things into existence. The one who keeps us living. Keeps our hearts beating. In him we live and move and have our being. And this mighty one has done great things for Mary. Can we say the mighty one has done great things for us, church? Amen. The church, Christ has done so much for us. The mighty God has done so much for us. It should cause us to praise like Mary, right? God knows you. The mighty God who rules all things knows little all people's church. Isn't that wild? He knows us. He's with us. He's with us right here. He's in you and with you. He knows you. And Mary exalts God, praises God for his personal knowledge of her in the way that he has blessed her. Mary adds at the end of verse 49. These these amazing words. And holy is his name. Reason two, which is sort of a ground for, for all that God is doing for Mary, is that God is holy. Why has God been so good to Mary? She says, his name is holy. His name is holy. God's name, when you see that, we're talking about the, what, what kind of sums up his character. It, God has so many, aspe- so many aspects of his character, but and holiness is one of those things that make up who he is, his name. I don't know about you guys, but when I hear the word holy, I think about this separate one. You know, this, the one who stands back in holy perfection, the one that cannot be approached without blood. But holiness here is so much more than that. Holiness is what drives God away from his throne. He's not looking down on on Mary saying, you pitiful sinner. He comes. His holiness drives him out. His holiness drives him to meet the needs of his people, his covenant people. His holiness drives him to punish the unrighteous. You see, God cannot lie. His holiness demands that he cannot lie. And he has made promises to us. we, we We sung about it tonight. All his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And he cannot go against his promises to save his people and to judge the ungodly. His holiness, church, is the reason that hell exists. His holiness is also positively the reason why we can be assured of our salvation. Because he will not lie to you that if Christ, cro- if the cross takes care of your sin, he's not going to demand the pu- you to take the punishment. Amen? Christ is holy, and his holiness makes him move to fulfill his promises. It doesn't keep him back always. Why does God care for me and you? His name is Holy. His name is Holy. Perhaps you're struggling today to believe that God actually does care for you like he cares for Mary. Maybe, maybe you say, God obviously met her. That's obvious. Like, we can say that, that he, she's the mother of the Son of God. How can, we, you know, Daniel, how can you, how can you tell us to praise? Like, this, it's just not the same. I, I feel lonely. I feel, I feel like God has not seen me at all. Maybe you feel that way. Friends, if you're you're a follower of Christ in this room tonight, you're a child of God. If you're a child of God, you need to hear me on this. He cares for you. In coming to Mary, He has come to you. You can identify yourself with God's love for Mary. In coming to Mary, He has come to you. He's come as a baby to identify with your loneliness, to come and identify with your suffering in this life, to know what you feel, to feel fatigue, to feel overwhelmed by your children. God knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be a man. In coming to Mary, He has come to us, church. Man, who is like our God Who is like our God? He's worthy to be praised, isn't he? Mary praises God for his personal care for her. Now let's look at her praises for God's care for Israel, for his people. Look at verse 50 with me. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That is so good, isn't it? His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Not only is God a holy God who keeps his promises, it's just we pile up reasons here. Mary's just piling up reasons for us to praise. God's love is steadfast. It says that that his mercy is for those who fear God. That's us, church. If we're fearing God, his mercy is for you today. This passage closely parallels Psalm 103. I love this passage. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. How good is that for us? This, could be trans- this word mercy could be translated uh, steadfast love. It's this familiar word, uh, he- the Hebrew word hesed, which is translated steadfast love all over the Old Testament referring to God's covenant faithfulness. It's God's faithfulness to those who fear him. God's steadfast love and mercy never cease for the ones who, who is in relationship with him. If you've had a bad week, his steadfast love is not ceasing for you. If you feel far from God right now, his steadfast love has not ceased from you. If you've blown it again and again and again, his steadfast love has not ceased from you. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. If we bow before him in reverence, just turn our faces, keep turning in repentance to him, his steadfast love is for you. We can't even hardly compare this to anything in this life. I mean, the best I could do, and I think this is such a weak example, it's like mothers who continue to answer their kids' cry even when they're disobeying, even when their fears are irrational, even when they're screaming at the top of your lungs and you got a splitting headache, you just keep going because you love them. You just keep going. When your kid's running from you, you keep going. Oh. His steadfast love is for you. He's, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you, church. I hope you hear this right now. Mary's view of the faithfulness of God causes her to praise, and it's not just for her. It's for, for all the people of Israel, anyone who fears him. Let's continue in verse 51. We'll see reason number two. It says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. This is good news for us, church. This is good news for Mary. God is delivering Israel from their enemies. That's reason number two. Mary here speaks of what God has done right in that time in having the Messiah be born to a lowly teenager. But it goes so much further than that here whether she knows it or not she's prophesying of what jesus rule would look like this language talking about god's strong arm his his big biceps like it's it's talking about it's actually it's actually making an allusion back to old testament promises or old testament uh salvation at the exodus listen to listen to exodus This is how God describes the coming deliverance of Israel to Moses. He says, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand I will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. What's amazing about this statement Mary is making is that she's attributing the same powerful personal rescue of God for Israel at the Exodus now to the rescue that God was going to bring about in this child, in the womb of, of Mary, she's praising God for the strong arm that He's about to display for Israel, through this child, through the Messiah, through the king. God would bring about judgment on Israel's enemies. He would scatter the, quote, "proud in the thoughts of their hearts. But what she didn't understand, and and those that this came to didn't understand, is just exactly how that would look. Yes, Jesus would scatter Israel's enemies like he did at the Exodus, but he would in fact start within the hearts of his own people. Jesus would be leading a second Exodus. Just like Moses led the people out into the wilderness so that they could praise God, Jesus was going to set people free from sin, the slavery to sin. He was going to set us free from our own fleshly desires that keep us from God. God came near to Israel and Egypt, and Pharaoh and all of his wise men and armies were no match for him. Amen? God comes near to humanity in the person of Jesus, and the darkness of our sin is no match for the light of his presence. When Jesus comes, he comes to drive away the darkness of our hearts. Make no mistake, church, he comes in mercy to us even right now in this age. He comes in mercy to us, but he does not tolerate pride. We've got to fear him. We've got to submit to him. We've got to be walking in repentance. This, this text tells us that Jesus' coming is going to scatter the proud, the, the, the thoughts of the, pr- of the proud. Today, Jesus' message is going out into all the earth And we're told that what people do with with his message determines what's really going on in their heart. Jesus would come. This baby was coming. This Messiah was coming. And it would scatter the thoughts of the proud. Friends, God knows your thoughts. Do you know that? He knows everyone. He knows whether you're rejecting him in thought, in deed, he knows what we're truly made of and he will judge accordingly. Reason number three, God exalts the lowly and brings down the rich. Let's see this in verse 52. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. We've already seen this taking place in the lives of John the Baptist, uh, in the prophecy of the life of John the Baptist, We're, we're Jesus and John are compared, they're, they're called great. You know, it's, we saw this comparison. Herod the great, you know, has all this power and influence. And these nobody babies, born to nobody people, they're going to be great. This nobody woman Mary, she's going to be called blessed through all generations. We're beginning to see it already. God decides who will be great Now, what is going on here, Luke, when you're talking about you bring down the poor, I mean, bring down the rich, you exalt the humble, like, God, do you have a problem with, like, my wealth? Do you have a problem if I have influence? No, I I don't think that that's what God is saying. I think that if we interpret it that way, we're going to misunderstand a lot of Luke because he talks about the poor a lot. No, but what God hates, it's not that he hates Positions of influence or wealth generally. What he hates is what happens to our hearts with wealth and power. Throughout history, people with wealth, with power, with influence have oppressed the poor. In the pride of their hearts, they have domineered people. King Herod, kill the babies in Bethlehem. They're going to kill my wife, kill my kids if if they're going to take my power. And God hates this. When we read in the Sermon on the Plain, later in Luke, blessed are the poor, Luke is talking about so much more than social and political realities. Though they are also included here. He's talking about the spiritually poor church. He's talking about the spiritually rich. Mary praises God because the second coming, the second exodus, is going to reveal the hearts of men. He exalts the humble, but he lowers the proud. So where are you? Where's your heart? Can you, can you categorize your heart as, as one that is poor in spirit? Is that, is that what your heart is? If so, Jesus says, you are blessed. We see it in Mary's life. Oh, but if it's not true, church, I urge you, (laughs) repent. Repent of the pride in your heart. Humble yourself before him before he brings you low in another way. Verse 54 continues the praises. Reason number four, God keeps his promises. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Verse 54 tells us that God sent his son in remembrance of his promises to Abraham. What what is she talking about? This is the promise that was given to Abraham that through him and through his offspring, all the nations would be blessed. God has remembered his promises to Abraham. He's remembered as he spoke to the fathers. Galatians tells us that Jesus is this offspring that it is through Jesus that all the nations will be blessed. He is the salvation of the world. God has remembered his promises. Israel waited for thousands of years for this Messiah, but in the birth of Jesus, God has helped his servant Israel in accordance with his promises. In church, in the birth of Jesus, God has helped us. We are recipients of the promises given to Abraham, aren't we? Who is like our God? He is worthy to be praised. Now I want to speak to anyone in this room. If if you're not sure what you believe about this this message that we're speaking, this gospel, if you do not yet know Christ, I hope you're beginning to see how badly you need his help. I hope you're beginning to see that help comes through Jesus. He is the help you need. It's just that simple. I read that this week. He has helped his servant Israel. And I thought, oh, what a simple message of the gospel. Church, in Jesus, God has helped you. An unbeliever, all that it takes for you to find mercy in him, in everlasting life, and ever- everlasting love, is recognizing your need for help. Recognize that you're a broken Man, a broken woman, that you've not lived a perfect life, that you've sinned against God, and that you need his perfect life. You need Jesus' perfect life, that he would come and live. You need the death that he died in our place as a substitutionary atonement. That's, those are big words if you're, <laughs> if you're not a believer. But he died in our place. He died for you if you will put your trust in him. And he rose that you might ha- not have to die in your sin. Amen. God sent his son out of great love for us so that all who would believe on him would be saved. Saved from sin, from Satan, from the world. That's why Christians praise because we've been saved. Yeah. Amen. He's saved us. Find your help today in Jesus, church. Find your help today in Jesus. If you think that your sin, your circumstances, your life is too far gone. If you think that right now, anyone in this room, if you think you're too far gone for Jesus, it's wrong. It's a lie from Satan. He's holding his arms out to you right now. Come to me, I will give you rest. His steadfast love is for you. Do you see how great God's love is for us? His his mercy, His grace is incredible. Mary overflowed. She saw and recognized with her heart the amazing grace that was shown to her and her people. And she had so many reasons to praise Him. So many reasons. And she couldn't help but praise. So how about us? How about us? Has He come... Do you see how low he's come for you? Do you see that he was born in this weak flesh for you? He bore the weight of the world's sin, and he died in our place. Don't you see it? We have a reason to sing. I want to just read the rest of that quote from John Piper. He goes on to say, the whole duty of the Christian can be summed up in this. Feel, think, and act in a way that will make God look as great as he really is. Be a telescope for the world of the infinite starry wealth. I should do it like this is what he would do. The infinite starry wealth of the glory of God. Be a telescope for the wealth of God's riches, of all his glory. This is what it means for a Christian to magnify God. But you can't magnify what you haven't seen or what you quickly forget. Therefore, our first task, church, is to see and to remember the greatness and goodness of God. This is why we pray things like, open the eyes of my heart. And We preach to our souls, soul, forget not all his benefits. That's why we do this. This is why we preach week in and week out. Maybe it feels repetitive sometimes, but we're preaching this gospel. This is Jesus' hope for us, and we need to hear it every single week, don't we? We need to hear it more than every week. We need to hear it daily. This is why we come together for DNAs and missional communities to encourage each other so we won't forget his benefits in the midst of the trials of life. Because church, some of your hearts are heavy. And some of us, it's not easy to praise right now. Is that right? If you feel like you cannot rejoice today because you're still broken over relationships, broken over a lost loved one, broken over the miscarriage, broken over the sin that you're struggling with, I need you to cling to Jesus today. I need you to cling to Jesus today. He knows how to sympathize with you and your weakness. At Jesus' last meal with his disciples, hear me here, Jesus finds out that Judas is gonna betray him, Peter is gonna betray him, He's about to go to his death. He's eating his last meal with his disciples. And what does the gospel record that he does? It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus had every reason not to sing in that moment. In fact, he was going to go get on his knees in just a few minutes and sweat drops of blood and anguish as his disciples all fall asleep on him but we're told that he sings a hymn. Why? Because Jesus knew better. He knew better than to say, I'm without hope. His soul knew better, his heart knew better. He had meditated his whole life on God's promises. He had meditated for us so that we could trust. He he sung on our behalf so that when we don't feel like singing, he can empower us to sing. He knew God's faithfulness. He knew God's goodness, and he sang for us. And now this Jesus, he lives in you. He lives in you, church. He lives in you so that you can sing. And he lives in you so that even when you're suffering, and we don't want to say pretend to be happy here. We just want you to be able to sing with Jesus in trust that he will comfort and rescue you. This is why we gather every week, so that we will be reminded of the reasons that we sing. Hearts that have seen God and self are the ones that sing. We overflow in praise to God. I hope today you've seen a little glimpse of God's greatness. You've seen a little glimpse of how small we really are, and that the connection of those two, this grace that's been poured out on us, will just make us overflow in praise. Church, Jesus is coming back. Soon, all of our pain will be wiped away. All of our suffering will be done away with. Amen. That's such good news for my friends. We talked about great pain last night. Mourn with you. I've, I was praying for you too last night as I was, uh, we, were, we were praying together, my wife and I, and some of you suffer so much. You feel it daily. But Jesus is coming back. He's gonna wipe it all away. He's going to take it all away. And on that day, church, we're going to sing with all of heaven, with Mary, with the saints. Jesus, our choir director, he's going to be like, God is good. <laughs> you know, he, he's God, and so he's going to, we're going to be worshiping him at the same time. He's like the, the one through whom we worship. It's the craziest thing. But we're going to be saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt in rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come this is our great hope church so I just want to encourage you this week let your kids let your spouse your roommates your co-workers see the greatness of God in the way that your hearts praise amen in faith-filled expectation right now we're going to just magnify God's God's name together he is so good to us and I'll just invite Sam on up for he who is mighty he has done great things for us hasn't he Can we say amen to that? Amen. Holy is his name. Amen. So we're going to sing. We're going to spend some time praying together, ministering to one another. And then after a little while, we'll take the Lord's Supper. But right now, we're just going to spend some time reflecting on on God's word, on what, what he's said to us, and ask him to give us hearts that are overflowing with praise. Amen.